Welcome to the Fun and Mental Nerd Podcast. Yes, yes, master. Where we talk everything fun and mental. <laughs> oh, and nerdy things too. <laughs> my name, my name is Andrew. And my name is Nate. And today we're going to be talking about spooky things. <laughs> spooky, <Yes>. nerdy things. <laughs> like, like finding a girl's cow trying to sell you cookies. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh. We're not going to talk about that. Oh, I, well, I figured we would talk about like vampires and werewolves and ghosts. Those are normal things in our world. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, maybe. Oh, oh, oh. Hmm. okay. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> well, eh, we can keep it that way. I mean, I still think we should talk about something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that works. I mean, I'm going to be the player one here, and uh, we're going to stop <laughs> the weird voices here, I guess, now for your own sanity and, you know, things like that. Um, I'm going to be talking about a really cool RPG system. Um, it's a World of Darkness uh, system. I'm talking about Vampire the Masquerade. Um, yeah, and I will be talking about a show that I quite like called Supernatural. It's uh, spooky, it's supernatural, and uh, yeah, I like it. Yeah, um, I have not watched any Supernatural at all, but I do know the premise. It's two brothers in a, uh, um, oh gosh, what kind of a car is it? It's it's a black car. Um, I don't know. I know the car is like the most important character from everything I see. but uh, And it is a Chevy Impala. Oh, it's an Impala. It's quite nice and um, has, of course, you know, a very strong showing in the show because that's what they drive in all the time. It's kind of their TARDIS mm-hmm. if you are a Doctor Who fan. You will always find a way to relate back to Doctor Who in some way, shape, or form. Sure. It's very impressive. Well, you know, there is a trifecta. There is the three fandoms that come together. Um, basically, their nickname is Super Hula, and it's um, Supernatural, Sherlock Holmes, and Doctor Who. And that's okay. what the fan base calls themselves. It's kind of like a, the triangle, if you will, of... Um, shows and so hey if there's if there's a niche to fill you know and that's actually why i started watching the show but yeah i'll get into that more often later but because i found out the three were together and i liked Sherlock holmes and doctor i'm like well if there's a lot of fans of the, these two shows that like this one so anyways that's 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 what i'm gonna be talking about cool yeah all right um so i'm gonna just go ahead and kick this off i'm gonna go ahead and start by talking about vampire the masquerade um it is in the world of darkness setting um I just want to start off by saying this is um, a very mature-themed game. I know, like, everyone always like, ooh, vampires are so cute and blah, 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 and, you know, like, oh, they sparkle. But um, this one does tackle that whole concept of, like, you are a vampire that has to feed on humans, and you have to get that blood in a secret way and things like that. So it's kind of uh, has that, like, horror thing to it where you are playing as the monster. It's just, um, it's a fun setting. You get to play as a vampire. In the setting, uh, vampire is actually like a faux pas word. They refer to themselves as the kinder, uh, which basically means that they are above humanity, you know, things like that. But um, there's, there's... Yeah, we hear the word kin, you kind of think of werewolves and packs more than yeah. vampires. But then they do care about bloodline. Yeah. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Well, um, it's it's funny you say that. There actually is also the werewolf setting. Um, I know you said you played a little bit of werewolf. No, and, werewolf is um, one of the ones I haven't of... played, actually. I played all but the okay, werewolves so. and the vampire ones. Basically. So you played Orpheus and you've played Mage. But um, yeah. uh, the werewolves, that they also, werewolf is a very you know negative connotation to it. So they actually uh, refer to themselves as the, uh, the gorilla. 
uh, which is like their term you know like in a uh, underworld you had the lichen and things like that but uh mm-hmm. so so what was it again uh gorilla okay gorilla so i heard gorilla and i was like what <laughs> so gorilla that makes more <laughs> sense okay yeah you know they're the werewolves they call themselves gorillas yes. you know there's there's no confusion there at all but, um yeah um but it's just a, it's a really cool setting um they do really emphasize that you play as like a monster. You are not a good guy in any of these settings. You are doing everything for your own strength and your own growth as a human in the setting, essentially. So what it is, is um, you can play the game in a, a variety of different ways. You play in a group of vampires or like-minded people, like some of them being humans, most of them being vampires. And you basically form this group that's trying to accomplish things together. And, um, all of them can come from different clans and things like that. There's like 13 or so different clans to choose from, even all the way down to what are like referred to as like the Half-Bloods, where they can spend a little time in the sun, but they're not cool like Blade, where like they're just immune to it. Um, but they're, they have these really cool um, like clan characteristics to them, where basically like the bloodlines have split up into different routes. Um, my favorite one I always talk about um, is the Nosferatu. They're like the very ghoulish looking, like Bram Stoker looking vampires where like they're all gangly and they have like the pointy ears and like awful teeth and they're often like referred to as like the like the ugliest of the vampires and they can't pass for human in any way shape or form so they spend a lot of time like lurking in the shadows and popping across the roofs and stuff and doing like secret hunting but Mm -hmm. um my uh my favorite uh to play as is the the bruja <laughs> um, they're kind of like the the punk metal like gangster guys, but like they're very like opinionated and like if they they're very hot headed. They're really fun to play because they get that whole like oh, I'm gonna do this thing. I don't care what you guys say. We're just going like thing. So it's like really good for like driving home a story. I, and things I love like that, that name. But, um, the bruja. The the bruja. It, it's a um, it's a word I really want to hear a, a person with a thick Scottish accent say. Bruja. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> it is the Scottish yeah. vampire. Now that's all I think of. Uh, that's yeah. all I want is now a Scottish vampire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, that's the other thing that's kind of cool about the setting is um they all these source books that they released for uh, fifth edition right now are different locations. So they did one for Chicago. They did one for London. They've been like releasing them from different regions and things like that. But um, it's just really cool because like they do kind of show that vampires aren't just in America like is so often portrayed or like in underworld it's like oh all the vampires in like london and things like that like they really are a worldwide phenomenon that's one thing that was cool like when i was in new zealand for so long when i played mage and when i played um some of the other ones um, orpheus and all that it was all new zealand based so it was interesting Mm -hmm. because i didn't know very much about the location or anything so my character kept on being lost so I, i actually made my character um an immigrant from america when i went in as kind of the backstory of it kind of um kind of help my cluelessness of some of the names of the city uh, street names and stuff like that that i wasn't quite used yeah. to yet well and that that um that uh kind of leads into the next thing i want to talk about is the storytelling aspect of this game is so phenomenal it's um dungeons and dragons is very much so like a storytelling game and the fact that like the dungeon master will put together a story and like the characters will drop into it and kind of interact with it and things like that when you're playing World of Darkness, it's really the storyteller, who's basically the game master in this game, interacts with the um, players in a way that they all tell the story kind of simultaneously. What um, The difference between this game and uh, playing Dungeons & Dragons is like your preparation you do is like 
making characters, figuring out like loops for like your um, your player characters, like backstories and like people that they've interacted with and things like that. But kind of letting the people at the table decide what they're going to do, like what the goal is with what's going on mm-hmm. and kind of like working around them in a way. It's really fun. So um, it's kind of like the difference then like of making a character for like Guild Wars or World of Warcraft and jumping in. That's like D&D where like your character does what the story tells you to do to making a character and going into an improv group on a stage where anything could happen that there's no like set like this is definitely going to happen always type thing it's kind of organic yeah it has a super good improv mechanic to it um actually like the perfect example of improv is if if anyone has ever done an improv group there's always the person leading the group that says like okay now this happens Mm -hmm. and like you have to adjust to like what they say but you still are doing your own scene so like the scene is going on and they'll say like now you have to jump on one leg the entire time and pretend like there's nothing going on this game has that like down to a t because it has this really cool mechanic called hunger where Mm -hmm. it's a characteristic of being a vampire is at the root of it all is you need to feed on human blood like you can get blood from blood bags and go to blood banks and like eat rat blood and like things like that but they will never sate you nearly as well as human blood will and what the hunger system does is it kind of like every time you do things that like wear on like the blood you currently have it makes you more hungry it kind of brings out the monster within you that beast kind of pulls itself more to the surface and it um it's called bestial um growth Basically, what's happening is your your game master will basically say, like, oh, your hunger is getting a little bit worse. And your game master will kind of adjust how your character plays a little bit by controlling that monster side of your character. Because you're trying mm-hmm. to maintain that, like, level-headed masquerade. Like, everything's fine. I'm not a vampire. I'm just here to interact in this club and hang out and have a good time. The entire time, the game master's playing that blood in the back of your head saying, like, that one looks tasty. Doesn't you, don't you think that one would be good to eat? Look at that one. That one's trying to do something terrible over there. It would be a great thing if you just ate that person instead. Like, it has that really cool storytelling <laughs> aspect to it. And if you actually want to see, like, how this system works in a really cool way, I recommend on uh, Geek and Sundry, there's this fantastic playgroup on there. They're called L.A. by Night. Um, they're actually play through Vampire. Mm-hmm. They've been playing it for four years now. They're on, like, season five or something like that. Um and the game master in there does a really good job of like playing like that voice that's gnawing at the back of mm-hmm. your head, kind of saying like, "Aren't you a little hungry? Don't you want to eat a little bit?" Like no one will notice this person's missing. Like really good ways of doing that. But um, as your hunger increases, it makes you have less and less control over these urges to the point where like when you're trying to be stealthy and sneak past like a guard of a building, you have blood in your on your body will just say like you can sneak past them or you can tackle them. Yeah. And, like, it just changes what happens with those. And that's just kind of what's really fun about this game. I'm guessing, like, because in d and I always tell my players, it's it's always smoother if you do a yes and type improv thing when you get into mm-hmm. things. Um, unless you really feel like it would be against what your character would do if somebody else suggested something that happened. Um, it's easier and you don't derail the group too much if you kind of go along with some of the silly things your friends want to do because that means they'll want to go along with the silly things you want to do. And um, I think the yes and probably works a lot more in the vampire setting Yes, where you, you try yeah. to build on scenes, not try to take down scenes. Yeah, even even the dice system itself is a very much so a yes and system. Um, so it's a it's um, I'm gonna throw some terms out here and I'll explain what they are. So it's a d10 dice pool system, which means it uses ten sided dice in a pool 
of um, where you get to roll number of dice equal to the the thing that the the characteristic asks for you to roll, mm-hmm. and you count out the number of successes on there. Um, in this case, being anything from a six to a ten is a success, and everything from a five to a one is a failure. So you have a fifty fifty shot on the dice. But on those dice, a 10 is a critical uh, critical success, and on a 1, it's a critical failure. So you kind of get these whole like mixture of these dice kind of interacting in really weird, funky ways, where um, when you roll a 10, like you get a critical, like you're really good at it. But when you get a critical fail, you still pass in that thing, but the storyteller can choose to be like, you can pass this, but at a cost. So my perfect example of this one is... Um, Say, like, a character was just like, I need to climb up to the top of that building really quickly. I don't have time to, like, take the stairs or anything like that. I'm just going to crawl up the side of the fire escape rather than go up through the fire escape. So you would make, like, a like a strength climb check and things like that. But if you, like, get a critical failure on there with a bunch of critical, like, with a bunch of successes, the GM can say, like, all right, you succeed if you want to, but you'll have to have a bad thing happen. You can say, sure, I want to. And what will happen is you'll climb up it and halfway up it, it'll start falling down and it could fall down and topple on top of cars instead of fire alar- uh, mm-hmm. car alarms and things like that. So it does this really good, like even when you fail, you're still driving the story forward versus like I tried to kick down the door and I, do- and I failed. I think one of the things I like with that mechanic too is the better you are on skills because you um you get the points that you put into skills and you combine them to do, to determine your pool. The more you're you, the better you are at skills, the more dice you end up rolling. So like the, the more mm-hmm. you try to like focus your character into like make make a min max character and get the best you can. I'm rolling ten dice now, yeah. But now you're like that's ten <laughs> more chances to get critical failures to add mm-hmm. even more like storytelling to your game. So there's always a give and take to actually even advancing, which I kind of like that kind of mm-hmm. it, it encourages you to to advance story-wise, not necessarily min-max-wise, which I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the game even actually kind of deals with uh, mid-maxing in a very cool way as well. Um, as a vampire, you have what's called blood potency, which is like how collected and how concentrated your blood is and how powerful it is and like the Elder World and things like that. And um, when you're like a blood potency zero, just like a nobody vampire, like, sorry, a nobody mm-hmm. uh, kindred, um, you can eat whatever you want to and you're mostly fine. Like you can go chew on dogs and get the blood out of a dog and just like drain it and like mostly sate your, your blood. But as soon as you hit like blood potency three and four, you have to have human blood. You have to have fresh from the source drained right then, right there blood to even think about reducing your hunger. Also, oh, so it mirrors so real blood. life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like the stronger you are, the more you have to work to stay strong as well, because it has that whole detriment of like, you've become more potent of a predator. Yes, you're stronger, but you also need more now. Like when you, be- of that, when you so. become a runner, you know, you, you know this cause you did running for a while. You have mm-hmm. to eat a lot more carbs than you expect because you need yes. to keep that energy up higher as you go. So like I said, it mirrors kind of what real life where, you know, once you kind of beef up, you have yeah. to kind of, yeah, because I, I, I think the 5th edition really tackled it really hard and explained how blood works, just like we read through the book again. Um, it really talks about why blood from a blood bag doesn't really sate your hunger. It's because it's been out of the source for a long time. All that like essence that's in there that you get from like draining it from a human is kind of gone. And on top of that, it's chocked full of like preservatives and like anticoagulants and things like that just like make it taste artificial and gross you know like it's like that leftover has been in the fridge for way too long exactly like it literally has that whole so like they do a really good job explaining like it's just gross like it's gross it's not nutritious or anything like that like yeah i just think it's really fascinating that they like really went to the lengths of explaining why you have to drain a human but um 
yeah, that's that's pretty much like my whole like thing on it. Um, Sorry about interrupt. But I don't know if um, it's raining and thundering where you are, but it just started raining and thundering here. And when you said drain a human, it thundered outside. I don't know if you can hear it on the mic. And I was like, and when you drain a human, it's like, <laughs> like oh wow. Okay. Well, if if it comes through, I will keep it in. I guess I'm um, here since I'm done talking about like this system and things like that. I wanted to talk about pretty much the only way I played was. Um, I didn't play it as like a regular tabletop. I actually played it as a LARP. Um, It was really cool. Um, I played it in like a 12 person LARP with two different storytellers. Um, The the system actually specifically says like you should really limit it to like one storyteller and like three to five players. Yeah, two storytellers need to be like on point together, I guess. Yeah, it's it was really fascinating. Um, they did a really good job. It was a very like overarching story, and like you were just kind of there and you could interact however you wanted to. if anyone's ever done like a LARP, this is or has never done a LARP before, this isn't like that whole like we were in the forest with like swords like beating on each other. We were in my friend's house. Um, his kitchen was the streets essentially, where like you would say like, "Oh, I'm going to be traveling to here," so you'd go to the streets and you would hang out there for a little bit. And the storyteller would be like, "You've arrived to your destination. Where do you want to go?" And you'd like move to a different room in the house, whether that would be like the prince's lair or if it was like a, a club downtown or like someplace <laughs> like that. And you would, like, interact with, like, people in there. And the storytellers would jump in and out of these rooms and, like, play as, like, the different characters you'd interact with there. Um, Sometimes you would, like, show up and they would say, you're not allowed to be here. And, like, they would kick you out immediately. And, like, things like that. And, like, they'd change out the cards and stuff. It was really fun. But um, it just made for, like, fantastic storytelling where, like, we would run into, like, different vampires and things like that. And we would interact with them and have long conversations without even having the story teller there and we would roll dice against each other in like certain occasions when we we're mm-hmm. trying to like prove a point or do some like investigation or things like that and um it just made for like a really fun and fascinating um story it actually led towards me looking for more larps and i found another friend and i actually did a larp for legend of the five rings and mm-hmm. um we did that with like a card system it was really fun he had it set up the same way i played like a one-armed um like gambling addict samurai <laughs> and i had to play through that entire session with just like one arm and like learn how to shuffle cards with one hand and stuff but uh just like playing a uh, vampire in like that open world setting <laughs> kind of did a thing that i had never really experienced in like a tabletop before because i had um, up to that point i'd played a lot of savage worlds i'd played a lot of dungeons and dragons and things like that but i had never really experienced like you don't have to fight your way out of this like situation like you can just mm-hmm. talk and it was really fun to like have that interaction um i've never larked myself um mainly because i never had the opportunity to but i actually um i've done dinner theater and i did it with a group mm-hmm. and we did a dinner thing and it was a detective thing and um it was pretty much a play where we then had to interact with the audience for a while and so when I when you first said two storytellers, I was like, how can you do that? But then I kind of thought about it. Well, we did it with that with like eight different characters who went around and asked questions. So you know what your character is supposed to do. You know what your character knows and then what your character is trying to push people towards or think about. Um, luckily, I was a detective, so it was more people telling me what they discovered on the way. So um, yeah. I didn't have to really do too much um, of the, the um, story building as the other people did because i had the same clues everyone else had but um but yeah it was a really fun experience i actually like that you use that to describe this because now that you like really break it down this felt like dinner theater yeah um because like we would always get together and we'd have dinner during the session at some point in time we'd be like and now we break and like now we feast and blah 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 and then we'd like Hmm. take a break and we'd like eat and there'd be like 
you know, like whatever anyone brought that time. Cause we do kind of like a potluck yeah. setting thing with it all. But even that was kind of in character and stuff. Um, but um, yeah, so the LARPing, it was fantastic. Um, uh, LA by night does a really good job of showing how to play a tabletop because they all interact. You can, I mean, they're all professional actors and things like that. My favorite character on there, Jasper, um, the gentleman that plays him is actually like a monster actor. He puts on like the monster costume nice. and like yeah. all those movies. So he's really fun to watch. He's actually been in quite a few really good movies, but um, it's just kind of fun in that uh, regard. But as a good example of how this game really shows that you are a monster at the end of the day was um, one of my sessions at one point in time, I was walking down the streets and there was two muggers that were like mugging this like, like late teenage girl and like trying to steal her money. So like, I literally like grabbed them and like hauled them away. And uh, another one of the players memorized, uh, mesmerized her. So she couldn't see, she forgot what happened essentially. And I actually like physically hauled these two uh, gentlemen up onto a roof and I drained them completely down to nothing. It's a very big faux pas. Like, you're never supposed to drain someone completely. But because they did such an awful thing, it really, like, stoked that anger in me um, as a character. And it kind of, like, worked out because my, like, hunger was high. Mm-hmm. But um, a couple sessions later, um, because my storytellers are very, very good storytellers, I highly recommend if you're going to play this game, have, like, really good storytellers. will just, like, play the game as it's supposed to be played. Um I hit another really high hunger rate and I was just very hungry. And as I was like walking down the street, really trying to keep the beast at bay, um, that girl happened to walk by. And because my hunger was so high, I just like failed my, my restraint. And I just immediately dragged her up to the roof and I drained her all the way down because my hunger was at maximum. So (laughs) after like, I would just like, finished like patting myself on the back like a couple sessions ago like oh i did so good like even as a monster you know i did that thing where i just won't prey on the innocent and things like that but i'll let my hunger get in the way that i became such a monster and after that session my friend actually came up to me and he said like hey i know that was a really awful thing i had you do are you okay like like do you need to talk about what happened because like this is a very like emotional game to play when things like mm-hmm. that happen and i said no no i understand you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I went home and I watched some uh, Disney movies to kind of feel better about it. But it was just really good storytelling. You see the experience a bit was a bit draining? Yeah, huh? it was draining. It, it, it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but it was really good storytelling. So One of the things I love about the World of Darkness series, um, and you see this in Mage a lot. So I haven't really played Vampires. So I don't know exactly how it applies there. But the way that you do things is so story driven like when you do your magic you have like ideas of what your magic can do but as a player mm-hmm. you can basically interpret like some of the things and try to inventive ways to tweak that magic to do something like you'll cast a spell on a spear that increases its velocity and then you'll trap it in time vibrating and then it will eventually release and shoot out like a bullet and hit something at a certain time that kind of thing and you can set up these spells that like trigger on each other and do stuff and you can just really kind of play around with the world you feel like there's no limits into what you can do as long as you have an imagination of how to use the skills and and tools that you have in um a different way than they maybe were intended to be used yeah yeah and it it does kind of have that going for it where you basically get to adjust how your your abilities interact with the world because it again this is more about telling a story than anything else so do vampires have any kind of magical abilities or is it um like strength enhancements or something yeah, they, they have, like, a lot of strength enhancement stuff. They they can do that whole, like, make someone forget something happened. 
Um, they have like self healing things like that. Um, they don't have like straight up like cast a fireball kind of stuff, but that's interesting. They, they so like, kinda... so that would make the mages kind of unique in their world. Like, I wonder like if you get turned as a mage, do you still have access to magic in that world? Or you know, um, as someone who pretty much only played vampire and only read the werewolf book, I don't really know too too much about mage. Um, I know like the um or Orif or Orpheus setting the the ghost one is supposed to be a really cool setting. Yeah. There's another really cool setting called Scion where like you play as like like God touched almost like American Gods kind of thing, oh, that's cool. where like yeah like I um I was making a character for that but our session fell apart but I was like basically playing like a Quetzalcoatl like Scion essentially so yeah that, that's the thing I love about this game is the characters you end up making are incredibly interesting and the stories you can get out of it like you were talking about like you know how your character like was so excited about like he did a good thing and then obsessed about it i could just see him like thinking like patting himself on his back he's obsessing about the whole thing and then when his hunger hit the first thing he thought about was the thing he's been obsessing about yeah it's just a good thing and it turned into a horrible thing and um it just tells really good stories when i played um the um orpheus ghost hunter thing with some of my friends down in new zealand the amount of rules that you have to remember is so few sometimes in the game because the GM mm-hmm. kind of takes care of a lot of that for you. You can just play in the game and there's only a few roles you have to make that there were scenes where I literally got chills and stuff because I was so immersed into what we were talking about. We weren't LARPing, but at the same time, I'm a very visual person. So when we were starting mm-hmm. to play the games, there was, yeah, it, the game does a really good job of yep. immersing you. The system does, and, and it and it is worth saying, like as a storyteller, it's not like he's not saying like there's a million rules that the storyteller has to remember. It's just that the game like actually has mechanics built in where it says like if the characters are playing within their characters' constraints, don't make them roll dice. Like if they are having an argument and they are both like on equal footing having an argument, let the argument play out. And if it gets to that point where they're in a stalemate, that's when you'd have them roll their dice. Um, you can even like say like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to argue with this person and roll the dice up front and then play out the scene from the dice roll. Um, and like, again, don't let the dice get in the way. The game also talks about a lot about um, the three and done rule, where if you're in a combat situation, you should really only let it go for three or so rounds before it should wrap up because they don't want it to be like, like when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, where like every six seconds is a round. So you have to do that. And then everyone goes around in their loop. Is there um, do you, is there like a turn base in this in the combat? I can't remember, or is it like a simultaneous thing or initiative? Um, or? Yeah, so they really try and keep it as light in those rules as they can. They have like um, phases, turns, and rounds. Mm-hmm. I think so. Like you basically say like what you want to do for your turn, and basically say like, okay, that'll take like this amount of time. So like you're going to be spending all this time doing that thing, and this people want to do like these two things. So they'll spend like for your time doing that, they'll get to do these two separate mm-hmm. things. Um, they really don't try and break it down to like six seconds. It's just like tell a story, let it be cinematic. Like explain what your character's doing. So, but yeah. Um, other than that, um, I highly recommend. Um, I'm just gonna kind of go through a list of things I recommend. Um, I recommend watch L.A. by Night. I think it's fantastic on Geek and Sundry. Again, I'll put that into the show notes. Um, and then um, there's a there's a really good documentary as well about um, the world of darkness and kind of how it started and kind of like the turmoil they went through and all that things and. I think it was really fun to watch. It came out in like 2018 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then um, Vampire the Masquerade is a fantastic video game that came out as well. It came out in like the late tw- 2000s, I want to say. I can't remember off the top of my head all of a sudden. And then they're working on an MMO right now for it. So um, 
it's a very immersion based world there's a lot of information out there so i figure if you're into vampires in any way shape or form um give it a try it's a really fun setting but yeah that's a uh, that's Vampire the Masquerade by World of Darkness, and um, I think we're just going to take a break right here now. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Hey everyone, it's Nate. Just hanging out here in the middle section as always. Um, I'm just here to remind you, NaNoWriMo is coming up next month, so get working on that outline and decide what you want to write about. Um, and then the other thing I want to talk about was I made a big boo-boo this week. I did not check my audio when we started recording the second part of the show. So it kind of cut out a lot of the intro and kind of made a lot of it unusable, but we're going to be talking about Supernatural, and Andrew's going to do a great job explaining it, so stick around, and I'm sorry I made a boo-boo. Well, I guess we're uh, moving on to my topic. Well, what you need to do, my friend, is to carry on, my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. I'm assuming that's a reference in some way, shape, or form. So. Yeah, it's uh, Carry On, Where It's Done by Kansas. It's just a little bit of the lyrics. Um, it's just one of the things, music is a, a good part of the show. There's some good music in there, and that's uh, a song I always think of when I think about um, Supernatural. Maybe it's just me, but it's just when I think of Supernatural, that song just always comes to my head. You have two Waywood sons, and that's kind of what the story is about. Oh, okay. um, so, it's, so it's not directly related um i think there is a, a connection and i'm just not remembering it right now i think it's actually in the show um a couple times so i think it is a different definite thing that fans will pick up on but yeah i just when we were talking i was like oh i'm gonna open up these lyrics in the background for when i do my bit and i'm just gonna read this one part because i just wanted to um but yeah supernatural it is a great interesting monster of the week type show it's in the same veins as like your buffy the vampire slayer and all that stuff where you have your week to week um monster of the week and then you have your big bad that's kind of the the season like enemy they're kind of working towards so so um one of my favorite shows that kind of feels this and you can tell me if it's kind of similar or not is uh grim i i really love grim Actually, I've never seen Grimm, so oh. I can't tell you. Oh, well. I've heard of it. I know the idea, and I think it is a Monster of the Week type show. I mean, Monster of the Week is interesting now because there's so many shows that do that without being monster shows, like The Flash. Yeah. It's a Monster of the Week show. It's it's a villain of the week. And any of those kind of CW um, superhero shows kind of fall into that category of the Monster of the Week type feel. And um, I don't know. There's something about a show that is doesn't take itself seriously. And you can yep. watch and just kind of relax and just enjoy it and not worry about, like, canon or all that other kind of stuff. Even though there is canon in the show and there are things yep. that are real and there aren't, the show really has fun with itself. It reminds me a lot of um, of Stargate. If you ever watched Stargate. Um, I, I watched a lot of Stargate um, as I was growing up. So. Yeah. It's, it's that genre of kind of fun show. I mean, it's a little bit spooky because it's supernatural and it's a lot of spooky stuff. But it makes fun of itself in a weird and out, out of meta, like, breaking the fourth wall way, like, there are so many MacGyver jokes in, like, the first few seasons of Stargate, like, where he's trying to open up a panel and trying to do something. He's like, why don't you just, you know, wire something? You know, that kind of thing. And they, they bring up the fact that he's MacGyver in it, like, a couple times. But, of course, it's outside of the world, and they don't do that. And they do that a lot in um, Supernatural, where they joke around with themselves. Yeah, I mean, you did tell me that there is a, um, like, someone in the show that's, like, writing a fan fiction about the show, right? Like, in yes. the show. 
So the show has kind of an interesting heaven and hell um, aspect to it. There's angels and um, archangels, and then there's hell. And um, but there are also prophets, prophets of God. And one of the prophets basically sees um, the two boys and everything they do, and he starts writing them as a novel, and just starts selling them as a franchise. And so there's within the world there is a novelization of what they're doing that people have read and know of. And there's episodes where they go to um, a high school and they're like they're doing a high school musical of Supernatural, and so they'll see like <laughs> students dressed up like themselves doing it, um, doing the monster hunting that they do, and it goes even to like conventions where they go to a convention and people are like, are you supposed to be Dean <laughs> or are you supposed to be Sam? Which are the two things like they're like there and the people are thinking they're cosplaying as themselves. Yeah. And it's just it's just hilarious. And so they do poke a lot of fun with themselves. There's even an episode where they get sucked into another reality where they are basically on a TV set of Supernatural. And they've taken over their actors' bodies. And they're, like, trying to get back into the back into their world. And, yeah, so they even, like, okay. break that fourth wall several times. I, I really like whimsical shows like that. I mean... There's a reason why, like, we both love Buffy the Vampire Slayer so much is that it's just so yeah. over the top. I mean, it's like one of the original shows that have, like, a whole musical episode because of that, like, yeah, the yeah. Empire making them, like, do everything as a musical. And it kind of, like, became, like, a really common trend in TV. So I can kind of see yeah. why, like, just the way you're talking about Supernatural, why you're so into it already. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's hilarious when they do that. And there's, like, weird crossovers that they make work. Like, they did a crossover with Scooby-Doo. Where they right. got sucked into the cartoon universe. And so they were cartoon versions of themselves in a Scooby-Doo kind of adventure, but it was a real ghost thing. So they had to use their real ghost hunting skills to help the Scooby-Doo gang out. Okay, so I saw pictures of that on the internet, now that you say that. And I thought it was just like a funny meme. Because I knew they went around and like tried to catch ghosts and things like that. I didn't realize that was an actual episode that really happened. Yeah. And the thing that's hilarious is that um, one of them did something. I won't say what it is because I don't want to spoil it. But the other brother teases him about it in like future episodes. So they like they call back to that episode too, which is hilarious. So it's one hundred percent canonical. Yeah, and this this particular show is kind of like Doctor Who in, in in a way. There are fifteen seasons to the show, and they just recently uh, kind of finished it. So I did the last season just recently, and it is a long show. It is very good. They did. They do a good job keeping it fresh, and the two main characters, um, Sam and Dean, stay in the show throughout. There isn't like a weird like the main character left halfway through and now it's this other person. They've added characters and like side characters and other things, but the core cast of those two, and then later on, um, another character kind of joins them, and yeah, they kind of stay together. Um, Cassiel, that's the character's name. I couldn't think of it for a second, but yeah, Cassiel. And swapping actors have taken shows to the point where I love them and I love watching it into like I regretted watching the show completely. Like I wish I would never seen it like Sliders. I love that show. The first two seasons were like great. And then they started losing characters and then people get kidnapped and they never go rescue them. And they do all these things. And by the time you're done watching the final season, well, at least for me, I regretted watching any of it because it got it ruined itself so much that I kind of wish I never saw any of it. Which is a weird. lot. A lot of TV shows kind of do that to themselves, and yeah. they don't kind of let them go out gracefully. So, yeah. And so this, um, this particular show, though, I know I I like it every season. It's a fun kind of background show, but I think it's because it fits that kind of Warehouse Thirteen, Stargate mm -hmm. kind of relaxed 
at- yeah. attitude towards the show. Yeah, like like that Eureka. Eureka, yeah. Eureka fits definitely into that category. It's it's an old genre of show you don't have very much of anymore nowadays because a lot of days, mm-hmm. a lot of shows are very heavy plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is kind of an underlining plot that goes on in these things, but you don't really need to know what's going on to enjoy an individual episode because it's still yeah. kind of episodical. That's that's what I like about shows like uh, like Buffy and uh, like Grimm, even though you haven't seen that before, and like Stargate. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of those, like the end like the start of the episode has like a ooh here's what's going on in the world and like there's like a little thing sprinkled in the middle and in the end it's just like uh and another picture of the big bad evil baddie but like if you just want to watch an episode none of that matters yeah so it's just good yeah and yeah and yeah the the show's just so good like there's inside jokes like if, i don't watch the walking dead but there's an episode where the one of the characters from the show who plays the father of the two boys is in walking dead and apparently he's known for a baseball bat with um, barbed wire around it. If you watch the show, you probably know what I'm talking about. I do not. Um, but anyways, there's an episode where they find that and one of the brothers is like, don't lose that. Dad would be furious. <laughs> and they reference <laughs> uh, walk- The Walking Dead in their show with um, one of the props from it. So things like that just crack me up that um, that they're able to kind of break that, that kind of genre shell. And they drop little jokes and stuff. And if you know what they're talking about, then you can kind of connect the dots so tell me like what's the shtick of the show like what what's the purpose of each episode and um sorry if i spoil anything because it's hard to talk about something without talking about some of the details so i'll try not to give away anything major <laughs> spoilers meow, meow, meow. <laughs> but yes um the show basically revolves around two brothers who are um what they call hunters and they go around and they hunt monsters um, both of the brothers lost the mother when they were quite young. One was a baby, and I think one was like one or two. Um, it was kind of a supernatural event that killed the mother. A demon came and basically sucked her into hell, I think, um, was what the story was doing. I can't remember. It's been so long. It's 14 seasons. It's hard to remember yeah. the details. But um, but yeah, the father then gets obsessed with the occult, trying to figure out what happened. And the whole first season... Um, you kind of, you meet Sam and Sam kind of broke away from the whole hunter life and tried to have a real life. He's in college. He has a girlfriend. And then, um, he finds out from his brother that his dad's missing and he's, he he needs help finding him. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do anything. He's like, I don't want any part of this anymore. And then his girlfriend dies in exactly the same way his mom dies. And that kind of triggers him into the same kind of, um, like focus that his dad was in and got he, he joined back up with his brother and they're kind of trying to find their dad and the dad's like on the heels of the demon that they're hunting and so that's what the first season's about is hunting that demon and then you know them coming becoming brothers again kind of reconnecting after being estranged for so long and then each season kind of has another kind of underlining plot line and um and one of the, the common threads is the brothers tend to die and they get brought back to life <laughs> and um, death is super annoyed with them because they're breaking all these laws of life and stuff like that. But like that has its toll. Like some of them go to hell and come back and they're like still tortured by that knowledge. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's totally fair. So yeah. And so there's a lot of that kind of interesting back and forth, but the breakdown of a basic episode, the brothers either it's going to be one that follows the main plot line where they're trying to follow up a lead and it'll be like doing something, or it'll be them looking at the local newspapers, trying to find some kind of supernatural event that they can go and solve. 
and so they'll be like, oh yeah, there's a weird thing in the town, you know, three roads down, that um, that people are disappearing around this house, and they go and they say, oh, the house is haunted, and they figure out how to do um, basically stop the ghost. Yeah. The show, which normally involves digging up the graves, pouring salt on the bodies, and then burning them, um, as you yeah, do, you know, nor- but, um, normal things. Yeah, and so there's all these like um elements like it kind of breaks down into the you know basic story types but then there's, there's a lot of comedy in between the way the brothers interact with each other what they do in the episodes and stuff like that so i don't know i quite like it and it's also quite dark and it also has a lot of kind of emotional moments which i think a lot of modern tv shows kind of go that happy sad kind of back and forth they pull on your kind of emotions as you go through to kind of keep you engaged yeah and i think yeah. that um, make you laugh make you cry Doctor Who kind of went that way, route in the new series as well, and a lot of other ones that I've kind of noticed. And it's a trend that I kind of I call it the Scrubs mm-hmm. phenomenon because that's kind of the first show I remember that did the whole it's a comedy but it's a super serious like moment. And yeah, yeah. Well, Supernatural doesn't go as far as that. There have been moments though where I got kind of emotional, and um, yeah, no, it's, it's just really fun and they go through a lot of genres like there's a whole um cthulhu-esque leviathan type okay. not leviathan that's not right but cthulhu-esque series where there's um basically creatures from old ones coming in that almost are like indestructible and they have to figure out how to get around them and stuff there are episodes yeah. where um like heaven and hell are warring and heaven isn't necessarily good because the way heaven works in this in this kind of world is that god exists but he decided to take a vacation or something a long time ago and the angels are just working on their own. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're trying to do what they consider is good. And sometimes it's not. And sometimes they come down to earth and they mess things up and they're worse than the demons. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, when the boss is away, the, uh, the drones will play. So there's an actor, um, called Mark Shepard. And if you watch any sci-fi or any fantasy, you'll probably know him. He's in Doctor Who. He's in Firefly. He's in like he he plays like minor characters in a lot of things. He plays um a devil called um, Crowley, and this he's kind of a main character. Um, I'll go ahead and just quickly for Nate, um, throw a little IMDb um thing in our. Chat oh yes, so I know see. exactly who this gentleman is. Yes, he is yes. in everything. Yes, and he plays an amazing kind of frenemy where he is a bad guy that sometimes they have to work with. And he's such a good character in that show. He's one of my favorite characters in the show. It's interesting. I like Sam and Dean as characters, Mm -hmm. but they're not my favorite characters of the show. Like I like all of the things around them as well. And so it's interesting that um, as you go through, even though some of these characters come and go, Sam and Dean are still awesome. I still like them, but I love Crowley. I love Castiel. I love all these like support characters that are in the show. Um, Charlie, which is who Felicia Day plays, is an amazing character um, when she comes up, and I love her in every episode. I think that's she's a, that's a very good um, a good writing cast if they can make you like all these minor characters as much as you love the main characters because they mm-hmm. really make even like the characters that are like throwaway characters into these like magnificent people. So yeah, it's it's just really good storytelling at that point. And it's so interesting, like, be careful what you wish for moments in the show where, like, they get, like, a wish fulfilled. And it's like, you, this is exactly what you wanted, exactly what you wanted. But the the results of what you wanted mm-hmm. were not what you thought it was going to be. 
and I can't really like point out like and this happened and this because that's a huge spoiler. Yeah, um, no spoiler, no, no major spoilers for this. No, but I do love how they 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 interact with Reapers because Reapers like mm-hmm. look at them as like an aberration, somebody who's working against the natural order of things because they keep on bringing themselves back to life. And it doesn't really matter what they have to do. What, yeah. um, what like like one will trade their soul away to get their brother back, and then the other one will have to almost die or give his soul away to get that person's soul back and it kind of goes back and forth um <laughs> and stuff like that but yeah it's definitely it's definitely a show worth watching and for 14 seasons there's a lot of really fun and interesting stories that they tell and it's, it, it's interesting because like every episode even like the filler episodes i quite enjoyed um and they all they all have that kind of darkness that kind of creepiness to them kind of expertly in a way, but then there's also that lightheartedness that makes me because I I normally don't like horror, I normally don't like scary movies or anything like that. So when I first heard about the show, I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna watch this. I don't want to watch something scary every week. I mean, X Files was a bit much for me. I remember when I was a kid. Um, of course, I'm a lot better with it nowadays. But um, but the plot and the story and the humor of it really actually made me fall in love with the show. Yeah, I mean, as as a big horror fan, um. I've always had horror in my like life as a kid growing up. I probably watched movies I shouldn't have at too young of an age. I remember watching uh, Blair Witch Project the year it came out, and I was probably like 10 or 11. So I've had very different experience with horror than you have, I'm sure. But I yeah. still really enjoy like these like campy, silly horror flicks. Like I just think they're really fun. So, yeah, I, I, I go on the point. like I like scary. I don't mind scary movies as long as they have a strong plot line and they're trying mm-hmm. to say something. Like one of the ones that I remember, um, Jeepers Creepers was what I watched. I was yes. like, I just didn't enjoy it for me because oh. it was it was scary and it didn't have a like a, a, a cohesive like plot line or anything. It was just people dying because people are dying and there's this but, monster but that they're Jeepers, trying to stop. Jeepers Creepers, where do you get yeah. those eyes? So I, I I didn't enjoy that one, but that's just my personal mm-hmm. preference. But I do like. Like when you have like a sci-fi theory, like Alien, the first yeah. movie, that's definitely a horror movie. Mm-hmm. But I like that don't, story. Don't I, let anyone tell you otherwise. Alien is a horror movie. Yep, Alien is a horror movie, and Aliens, the second one, is an action movie. Yes, that it's, it's actually interesting. They are completely different genres when you actually sit down and watch them. Um, but the things like that, that like Pitch Black, I liked mm-hmm. with um. That spun off the whole Chronicles of Riddick ser- uh, yes. movie series yes, and stuff like that. Very good. Yeah, we'll probably talk about that yeah. down the line. But it, it's it's I like those kind of movies that have that strong plot line. And with these guys, there are some episodes that are just flat out scary. I I do admit that my least favorite episodes are the ghost episodes because they are freaky. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do I do not mind them because there is the humor and there's those characters that you kind of you kind of emotionally invested in now at this point. Yeah. And yeah, but yeah, that's um, basically supernatural. At least what I'm willing to talk about in this detail. We might talk about the show later on in more mm-hmm. detail. But is there anything questions you have about the show? Yeah, um, is it one of those shows where you should really watch it start to finish, or is it like um, you can watch up to a certain point or be good, or do you kind of have like a recommendation in your opinion? Um, I would highly recommend starting at the beginning. Um because there's a lot of backstory and you go through and there's a lot of content. Okay. Unlike Doctor Who, it doesn't really reinvent itself every season. It's the same story arc and there's a lot of baggage okay. as you go through. You can start on season you know, 10 and up and stuff like that and you can kind of understand the show as you go through. But yeah, I would definitely start season one and, and just go for it. Yeah. 
Sometimes I'm always looking yeah. for the shortcut of a place to get caught up. So, you know, if I have to start at the front, yeah. I'll start at the front, and that's just fine. So that's the only question. Yeah. It's um, I will add it onto my queue. I'm sure it's available to stream someplace. I'll figure that out. But uh, yeah. And like Stargate and all those shows, it's actually a fun show to put on the background while you're trying mm-hmm. to do stuff. I do a lot of miniature hobby painting and stuff, and that's one of my go-to shows that I put in the back. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think um, the sounds of – Stargate are actually really good background sounds because you get a little bit of yelling, a little bit of like talking, the cool mm-hmm. sci-fi sounds like the getting going, you know? Yep. <laughs> and it's about like that five minute scene where you want to watch it all wrapped up that you'll pause and watch it, but you can kind of listen to the jokes, still get the humor and stuff like that as you go through. But yeah, definitely recommend Supernatural if you're a fan. Um, we'll put links to the Supernatural website on our, our little thing, a little DMB page and stuff like that. And yeah, Supernatural, watch it. Especially this Halloween. Um, so yeah, now that we've pretty much wrapped up our two topics for the week, um, this is where we pretty much talk about uh, if we have anything new that we're focused on. So do you have anything you're focused on at all right now? Yeah, I um, just kind of recently today um, pulled the trigger and picked up myself one of those mechanical keyboards for my computer. I um, just recently did the upgrade to a, a full gaming computer. I haven't had a new computer that's been decent since college so it's been a good ooh, don't count those years, years don't count since... those years <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't count those years to how old i am um it's been a long time since i've actually had a computer that could play the newest kind of video games and that stuff i want to be able to play vr and stuff on it but when i bought my new computer i got all of the ad sense things from like facebook and everything throwing to me all of the like the the computer related stuff mm-hmm. and i started watching um a YouTube channel called Bait and Click. Um, and it's all about, um, I think it's Bait and Click, but it's all about mechanical keyboards and customizing them and doing stuff. And I just got stuck into that hobby. Like you have the keycaps, the most obvious thing mm-hmm. you can change and do colors. Then you have switches inside, which are the thing that tells the, 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 the board that you have pushed the button. And then you have the board itself, which then translates that into the energy that goes to your computer. And so you have like these three layers that you can kind of customize and change. And there's a bunch of switches out there. Like you can get um, Gadion blues, Gadion reds, browns, and then there's other ones where you have the cherry switches. And you, so you have all these different types of switches that all have I, I different feels. I definitely recognize cherry switch in there. I recognize cherry yeah. switch. <laughs> yeah, they all, they all have different feels and they have different stuff. So you can have like linear and... Um, noisy uh, buttons and stuff like that so you can if you like somebody who likes that typewriter feel you can make your computer sound like you know you're clicking things if you want a button that has really like a response to it you can push down so there's like a bump to like mm-hmm. register it so you can actually feel the button clicking down or if you want like what i got were um red switches which are um switches that you don't have to push so hard down to click um so they kind of click quicker than a normal keyboard would and this um, is recommended for people who like to play video games who want quick response times and stuff. Yeah. Gives you like a microsecond more um, mm-hmm. response time and things like that. And so I, I really love watching these videos. I love them painting their like plastic out things to match the color schemes. I like watching how they fill the, the actual keyboard with like foam and stuff to stop any echoing inside the board to try to make that right sound. They like lube all their switches and they do all these things. And in the end, they just have like a really nice sounding keyboard. It was a hobby that I don't know anything about, mm-hmm. but I really got sucked in with the enthusiasm and the excitement these these YouTubers had about the hobby. 
you uh you you talking about this kind of makes me think of that old like 90s movie hackers where they're like making their like rigs to like go hack the internet and like show who's the better hacker and one of them literally like spray paints his keyboard and even back then as a kid i was just like you're just ruining your your keyboard like that's gonna stick now like you're gonna be so much slower typing and now you fast forward Mm -hmm. to like you making like a real keyboard that's like really nice it's just kind of funny the contrast of like what people think people do with computers versus what they actually do with computers is really funny yeah. media and yeah and they, they'll take the key part out the board out and take the plastic and spray them down and yeah do all stuff so i got um what's called a keychron c1 um which is a kind of a very basic intro one that has the ability to remove the switches without desoldering and soldering mm-hmm. things so i felt like from all the videos I watched, it's kind of an older keyboard. It's not necessarily the newest one that they recommend. But um, I kind of liked it because it seemed like a very simple place to start. And I don't know if how much in the hobby I actually will want to get into. But I like the idea that I watched something. I watched people who got really excited about it and nerded out mm-hmm. about it. And now I have like a small idea. Well, I will once I have to put it together of what, they, what their hobby is. I probably yeah. won't do the lube stuff, but I might actually... They put foam on the bottom of the thing between the keyboard and the bottom. To see, I might do that. Mm-hmm. They have um, keycaps that they put on things. I bought a set of keycaps that matches my YouTube channel colors. Cool. So oh, cool. I'm kind of excited about doing that. And then I was thinking on the back of it, I might actually, some of them paint things on the back of the keyboards, like little paintings and stuff. Yeah. So I was thinking I might do something like my logos and the, I'll paint that on the back yeah. of the keyboard. So it's kind of fun to have an art project that's your gaming computer. And the other thing is, is that it's not a full computer. It's missing the... Um, the arrow keys on the right, the not not the uh, movement ones, but like the the number pad yeah. on the right, um, and so I can't remember what that's like a seventy five percent keyboard, I think it's a seventy five. Yeah. It's an eighty seven key keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um, so no number pad, and yeah, and it's like it's kind of interesting because that's one of the things they talk about, like how big you want your keyboard, what you mm-hmm. use. I kept the um, I kind of wanted to keep the page up, page down, and home rows buttons on mine because I use Photoshop and stuff. Yeah, and I use those buttons, but, um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting because you can have how many keys you want. You can do all this different stuff. It has, of course, the crazy RGB lights and stuff like that. That's yeah. completely yeah. unnecessary. No, it, it but, it's uh, very necessary. It's very important. Oh, you got to make sure it glows. But yeah, once I once I get it and um, make sure my keycaps fit and stuff, I'll probably post some pictures of of it up on um, on the Facebook page so people can see what what i mean but it's it's gonna be a fun little voyeur into somebody else's hobby i don't know how far i'm gonna go in but i have this little kind of i tried this thing because i watched this thing if you know what i mean yeah i guess that's the show right there um yeah that's pretty much the show yeah um other than that um you know we'll put all of our links in our show notes that we talked about today we'll also put a link to each of our social media um Go ahead and plug your YouTube here. Yeah, um, uh, my YouTube is Timelapse GS, and yeah, I do video games and board games. And I'm starting to do Magic the Gathering deck techs, and I'm gonna do some campaign stuff on there. So that that's my uh, that's my YouTube. Yeah, and if you want to find me, I'm trying to use my uh, Instagram more. It's a uh, Newt and Nate Reed on Instagram. Uh, Newt being my dog and Nate being me. So. Uh, Go check that out. I'm going to be trying to post more like writing stuff and things like that on there. So, yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Other than uh, that. One thing is, oh. oh, sorry. Okay. I was going to say with the writing, one of the things I want to remember, uh, remind people is that uh, Nano, Ramo, 
is coming up. Nice. I've been starting to think about what I'm going to write, and I have some outline stuff. So I'm kind of excited to get into writing. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good friendly reminder. I'm glad you remembered NaNoWriMo. It's coming up. Don't forget. Yep. Don't put it off until yep, yep. the last minute. Yep, start outlining. Start thinking about what you want to write. Yeah. You have a few weeks to kind of really kind of finalize mm -hmm. what you want to do. So, yeah, it's a good time to start writing. Yeah. Um, other than that, um, I hope you enjoy this very spoopy, spooky season. And uh, mm -hmm. we'll see you next time. Yep. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening to today's show. We're both so glad we were able to share some of our favorite spooky, scary things with you. We are going to be putting a link to the topics we talked about today in our show notes, as well as a link to all of our social media. I also want to give a big thank you to Kevin McLeod on Comtech for allowing us to use the two songs we used today. The first one being One-Eyed Maestro and the second one being Dance of Deception. A link to those songs will also be in our show notes down at the bottom. Other than that, we just want to say thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed this spooky season and you have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye-bye. Welcome to the Fun and Mental Nerd Podcast. <laughs> Yes, Master. Yes. Where we talk about nerdy things. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't like that, but you didn't say fundamental. No. <laughs> I just realized that happened right there. That might be worth doing uh, at the end as an outtake. You can just put it at the very yeah. end of the episode after all the, the thank you. <laughs> just so that little yeah. bit, like, you forgot oh. to do fundamental. You forgot to say fundamental. <laughs> okay. okay. <clears throat> we got this. All right, here comes take two. Welcome to the Fun and Mental Nerd Podcast. Yes, master. Yes, where we talk about everything. Fun and mental. Oh, and nerdy things too. <laughs> yes. Oh, you have to say your name. Oh, oh yes. Yes. <laughs> I do have a name, Master. Thank you for reminding me. My name is Andrew. <laughs> and my name is Nate. Well, that's not the right voice. That was definitely not the voice I did. <laughs> okay okay here we got it we got this this yeah. is the one right here <clears throat>